Hello and welcome to Naked and a Little Bit Afraid with Mel and Kay. Join us as we peel back the layers into a space of vulnerability, unfiltered, unscripted, 100% us, fully clothed. Today we have a wonderful guest who has a beautiful smile and if you follow the movement you have seen that beautiful smile. We have Kira Schultz here with us today. We're going to dive into something pretty deep, Kira. So you have the floor, my friend, to tell us about you and your story. Well, thank you so much, both Kay and Mel, for having me today. Um, When I first heard your podcast, my first couple episodes, I was just like, oh my goodness, what an incredible platform. And uh, I love the vulnerability and the confidence that you both exude. And so I was like, I think that that's where I need to share my story. Um, And so my story I was trying to think about how I would start this. And so everyone comes into your life for a reason, um, or as you say, a season. And so I went to a retreat. I feel like it was a year ago, maybe it wasn't two already. It was last summer. And I had no idea what it was going to bring. And it brought such a community of amazing women that I felt my calling towards of sharing my story and empowerment. And so my share, my story involves um, domestic violence, which is horrific for anyone to ever experience. And today in my story, I'm just going to share my firsthand experiences um, from a woman's perspective that experienced domestic violence. And I know it can always go both ways, the woman towards the man or the man towards the woman or whatnot. And it doesn't always have to be a romantic relationship either. But uh, there are so many layers. So I apologize if I get off caught off guard or if I go in a different direction at some point and then I come back. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about where I am where I came from, um, in a sense of today's topic. Uh, so born and raised Calgarian, there aren't many of us left in the area anymore. Um, grew up in a normal family, mother, father, um, I had a little brother, and then my parents, uh, got divorced when I was about eight years old. And I remember when my parents told me they were going to get divorced, the, Christmas beforehand, I remember my parents getting in a gigantic argument um, on Christmas Eve. And it was horrific. It was like one of the biggest things of my childhood that I remember. And then my parents told me they were getting divorced January 5th. So go through that eight years old, going into puberty and teenage years and having separated parents. And it wasn't nearly as common back then as it is today. So that created all the layers of anxiety and self-blame and all that. But anyways, that kind of created like, for lack of a better term, daddy issues for me. Um, My dad and I didn't have the best relationship growing up. Um, I felt abandoned by him um, a few times. And um, if my dad ever hears this, (laughs) I love him very greatly. And he did the best he could with how he knew. Um, at that time, because it was hard for him too, right? Getting divorced, I'm sure it wasn't easy. And so I'm thankful that I can look back on that now. 
Um, but I moved out at 15. I, um, my mom and I didn't see eye to eye a lot of the times and my stepdad um, didn't tolerate me and my mom fighting. So that was really difficult for him because he's never raised a daughter and uh, accepting a stepdad into my life was also very hard. So I had a little bit of a tumultuous teenage years. High school went by, also chaotic. Um, and then right after high school, I was working at um, the Saddle Dome and I met one of my all-time best friends there. And I also met um, what would have been my first husband or what is my first husband. <laughs> and I remember when I first saw him, I thought he was drop dead gorgeous. And all I wanted to do, <laughs> I told my girlfriend was like, I don't even care if I date this guy. I just want to sleep with him. <laughs> because I thought he was just gorgeous but um so we met and we started talking and uh one thing led to another and we started hanging out and we became very close and um our relationship just started to flourish um I was young he was a little bit older um we won't talk about ages specifically but he was definitely older than me and uh I because I had lived on my own he was still living with his parents at the time and so we kind of wanted our own space and we ended up um, buying our first house together um it was a mobile home in Okotoks and uh that's where we lived nothing really no red flags like significantly came up before we had lived in our own space together. Um, I didn't, I also hadn't been in a really serious relationship. I had a high school boyfriend that I was on and off with that was also toxic, but um, most high school relationships can be <laughs> as uh, hormones are flowing and you don't really know what to do with yourself. But um, that's when everything kind of started. Um, in terms of the toxic behaviors that I didn't really know any different on. And so I just, this is the things that I experienced and the exact details may be different for other individuals that experience these situations, but um, they start to alienate you um, and be able to get you into a place where they have the control. Um, I am a, or I'd like to say that I'm a very spicy, passionate person. And um, by the time our relationship ended, I had no idea who I was when I looked in the mirror. Uh, so things like I was told that I could not have any male friends, no male and no female could ever, ever be friends because only the male ever wanted to sleep with the female. That was like... So I distanced myself from a lot of high school friends and friends that I had growing up because my partner at the time didn't like it and it made him upset. And um, I danced competitively growing up my whole life. And when I tried to do that as an adult, um, there was lots of, oh, you're cheating on me if you go out to a dance class um, or you wanted to attend a competition out of town or something like that. It was never supportive. It was um, very accusational about a lot of things. 
and I could only spend time with the friends that he approved of or that were through him. And I remember one time his cousin reached out to me and said something that I just thought was very nice. And I told him and it like launched a gigantic fight because he was like, oh, well, my cousin's trying to steal you and blah, blah, blah. And just ridiculous stuff like that, little things like that. And um, he was two different people in front of my family and my friends, but I was infatuated and I was in young, naive, a very young, naive place. And um, so he made my family fall in love with him. My, one of the layers to this story is my grandma, um, who was like one of my absolute best friends growing up. Um, On my dad's side, I was the only granddaughter for over 24 years. And so my grandma and I had a very, very, very incredibly close relationship. And she absolutely adored um, this person. And so I was like, yeah, if grandma likes him, then, you know, I'm just being ridiculous. Like these things that might seem like they're not right. um, Like the name calling or the taking me away from my friends or the control aspects that are sneaking in. Those are just how a normal adult relationship should be. And I need to respect my partner um, because I put so much stock in my grandma's opinion and um, then we would go out with friends, um, his friends, of course, and there would be copious amounts of alcohol flowing. Um, and I learned very quickly that I could not drink alcohol um, in those settings because I needed to make sure that I got home safely. Um, this partner ended up very much being um, an alcoholic. Um, and when we had first started in the first year or two, I knew a little bit about his past and his troubles with addictions. Um, But he was like, oh yeah, I just gave up drinking for over a year because it ruined other relationships. And so I'm a different man. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you believe those stories, right? You're like, okay, yeah, I'm different. Um, I'm valuable to him. He's not going to do these things um, because he values our relationship. And so, and then it just starts to trickle in, right? Like one beer here, one beer there. But then it very quickly became four beers, five beers, six beers, and then there was no stopping point. Um, Or there'd be drugs um, around. And I grew up pretty sheltered. I didn't go to parties. I didn't, um, I wasn't exposed to that scene. So I didn't really know how to react in those situations other than to like shut up and not cause any drama. but then the, the fights would just start. So we'd be out and everything would be fine. And then the way home um, shit would hit the fan for back, lack of a better word. And um, it was just attack after attack in terms of everything I did wrong. If I wanted him to spend time with me because I was uncomfortable in the situation, um, I was insecure. And it was my problem that I couldn't be sociable with his friends. Um, and there was like a 10 year age gap uh, between me and his friends. And at that point, I was just becoming an adult. I had no idea like what these other adults would do and um, wanting to be accepted. I've always been a person that really puts a lot of value in other people's opinions. And so you just learn to take it and you really start to like, it crumbles you and breaks you down as to what are you doing wrong? Why is this happening? And 
um, it's a very slow process. The fights don't start out big and it doesn't always start out with the abuse, um, physically at least. Um, definitely there's aspects of emotional abuse there that you don't necessarily pick up on because it's so subtle. Um, and it just picks away at you. I was with this individual for 12 years. Um, and it just completely changed who I was. So living in our house in Okotoks, um, there were great times, um, but there were a lot of times that, you know, I should have left. And uh, anyone that's ever been in an abusive situation will say the same thing. There are a million times that you should have left before you actually leave. What a lot of people that don't live through those situations don't understand is that the individual in the situation, and I don't ever want to say victim because we're not a victim. It's not our fault. Um, they won't leave until they are ready to leave, until they feel safe and that they can leave themselves. So I don't even know how many times um, I wanted to leave. Um, and I would say to myself, I can't live my life like this. I would ball myself to sleep every, like almost every night because I was like, I can't live my life like this. And then you'd wake up the next day after a massive fight like that and he'd be sober and it would be, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. That's that's not who I am. That was the, you know, that was a mistake. Like it shouldn't have been like that. That won't ever happen again. And then like the sweet date nights and the romantic gestures and it would be fine then again for a month or two or a little bit and uh and then the fights get more intense um and closer together and the holes get punched in the walls and I remember when he finally proposed I thought that that's everything I wanted I was like oh my goodness we've been together four and a half years um, yeah, I want to get married. This man says he loves me. Um, maybe I didn't have the greatest examples of what met love and respect actually meant. And my family loves him. So yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Um, and, uh, there was a time after we had been engaged where, I don't even remember what caused it or what started it, but there was a fight that was, I was supposed to go wedding dress shopping that weekend with a bunch of my friends and family because it was a joyous adventure. And it was the very, uh, I was very excited, right? I was living the on paper definition life. Like I was like, yeah, I'm getting married. I have to go wedding dress shopping, do all these things. And we got in a gigantic fight and I thought I was going to be killed that night um, because it was that bad. Um, I remember him storming through the bathroom door and cracking it in half vertically because he had punched such big holes in it and um, falling through the shower curtain and then the shower curtain rod coming down and then being hit with it and then hiding in the corner of the floor of my walk-in closet in that room and 
just wanting him to stop, just saying whatever you could to just make it stop or wait for him to get tired or give up. Um, And we had two dogs at the time. And I remember them like running and cowering and just like, I've blocked a lot of it out and I've compartmentalized a lot of it. Um, But it was horrid. And then finally being able to go to sleep that night, not really realizing how much damage had been done um, until you wake up the next day. And then the cycle started all over again. The I'm sorry. And this is the greatest day of our lives. It'll be better. We're going to get married. Everything will be great. And I remember wearing so much makeup um, to that appointment that I felt like I was like straight out of Jersey Shore. I had so much makeup on my whole body. And not one person that I was with that day noticed that I was wearing makeup because you get so good at telling lies to cover up for the situations that because you're embarrassed and you don't want to have those conversations as to what was happening because Can, can you hear her, Mel? I can't hear you, Kira. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're on. We can hear you now. Okay, where did I stop? <laughs> you got really good at covering up situations. Oh, okay. Thank you. I think I hit the button on my thing. Um, yeah, so you get really good at covering up situations. So even if we would get in an argument on the way to a family dinner, um, You just get really good at putting on a shell and putting on a face and um, pretending like everything's okay. And meanwhile, you're like dying inside and everyone that you believe loves you around you has no idea Um, But that the individual that you are being abused by um, makes you believe that they won't believe you or that um, it's your fault. And so that example of wedding dress shopping was just one of the large examples that I had of um, covering it up. And I remember talking to my mom about it years um, later, and she's like, I had no idea. But I do remember when we were in the change room one time, we bent down and she saw um, like a cut and a scab on the top of my head. And she was like, oh, what's that from? And I was like, oh, I just banged my head on something. And I just brushed it off. Um, or like having to be conscious as to the clothes that you wear out in public um, going to work so people don't ask questions because you're not ready to have those conversations at any drop of a moment. Um, and when you are in those types of situations without that partner, um, that abusive partner around, you feel incredibly insecure. Um, and so you do everything you can to avoid talking about those uh, talking about any bruise any cut any um why you are the way you are and um so then we fast forward a little bit um we're getting closer to the wedding and again another big fight happened and I remember sitting on the floor of my living of my kitchen um crying after a big fight I don't remember where he had gone and one of my best friends came over and was like it's not too late we can do this. Like, 
I'm ready. Like, let's get you out of here. And almost pulling the pin. And, um, you know, she, she was ready. She like helped me move into that house. She, um, always stood by me. My ex hated her. Um, he put in a big fight about having her to be my maid of honor. Um, and probably because he could see the strength that she gave me. Um, and, uh, I was, I just, I chickened out. I couldn't do it. Um, I did end up going to stay at my mom's house for a month before our wedding. And then the romantic gestures came back, right? The, I love yous and I'm sorry, this will never happen again. I'll change. I'm going to work on it. I'll stop drinking all the stories that you get told. Um, or there's just so many stories that could happen. And, uh, yeah, you go back and we went through with the wedding. And um, I remember looking back at our wedding photos and just thinking how fake my smile looks um, and how like I hyperventilated down the aisle. And like I was walking down the aisle thinking like, I don't know if I should be doing this. I really don't know if I should be doing this, but look how many people I have here supporting me in this relationship. Like clearly it's in my head. I'm the one that's not thinking, right? Like this is, all these people believe in us. All this money has been spent. Um, I have my grandpa and my grandma and my other grandparents there. So I'm like, who gets all four of their grandparents there with them um, to be able to celebrate their wedding? And so just so many things, like I talked myself out of um, leaving because my thought process was so off track of who I truly was that I could talk myself out of anything and blame myself for everything and in one of our wedding photos there's a beer can in his pocket and I'm just like holy cow like seriously you couldn't have put a beer can down long enough to take wedding photos with me um it just and like at that point like it was always like just a joke like ha 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 like we're having a great time but like and lots of friends and family just joked about that picture all the time. But really deep down, I was like, wow, like <laughs> this person has some really large problems that like I always believed I could fix or I would be worth it enough to fix or change. Um, and that never happened. And then uh, that was 2012 that we got married. And then the universe has a way of telling you things. <laughs> um, that home that we had bought together um, had the cops called to many times due to um, the arguments that, you know, as like the police are showing up, you get the, oh, well, like you feel guilty. Um, like I was made to feel very, very guilty for the police showing up that it was my fault and that this person was going to get arrested and I was going to ruin their lives because I was so loud when I was, when we were going through these fights. Um, and that it was my fault that it was happening, but I need to shut up and like behave so the police don't suspect anything. Um, and uh, just so much had happened in that home. So in 2013, in May, uh, right before the floods happened, um, my ex was out of town at work and I was home with the dogs and uh, my house burnt down in the middle of the night. Um, 
And so like, if that's not saying something that the universe is like, I'm going to rip this home from underneath you because you should not be living here anymore. Um, I don't know like what bigger of a sign I could have had. Um, but I'm very stubborn and, um, we navigated that process, moved in with other family members. And so the abuse calmed down because we had people around us all the time um, for a little while. And then we bought our new house um, and it was like our family home. We had, it was a house. It wasn't a mobile home. We had the two car garage. Like it was a beautiful home. Absolutely beautiful. And I was like, okay, you know, this is a turning point. Let's cleanse our lives of that crap that happened while we were in our mobile home. And then sure enough, it came all back. Um, so I just listened to your podcast actually of how it's the same shit, different day, different location kind of thing, right? Like it follows you no matter where you go. And uh, yeah, the house in Okotoks, the big house. Um, my grandpa had um, gotten really sick and uh, ended up, he had cancer. And this was my grandma that I was really close with. Um, her husband who he was like my life like again right like the two of them they were my constant they had the same house growing up they were my constant between my parents divorce going back and forth that house was always my constant my grandpa was like another dad to me my grandma was like another mom um so my grandpa got really sick and uh the day he passed I remember we woke up um to my grandma calling us we still had landlines and uh the house phone rang and I had to run downstairs to get it because we didn't have a cordless in our room and I remember my when I knew it was my grandma I knew something was wrong the second I picked up the phone and my grandma's incredibly or was incredibly logical at that time um and she called everyone systematically distance from the hospital um so we had everyone had the right appropriate time to get there um, before anything major happened. And uh, I remember getting off the phone, collapsing on the stairs and bawling. And my ex got mad at me because I was catastrophizing and I was making the worst of a situation, but I knew deep down in my heart what was happening. And he got really mad at me. And it was, well, you don't know what's going to be like that. Like, don't make it seem like it's going to be worse than it is. Like, just give it up. And he was like, well, let's have a shower. Like we'll shower, we'll have breakfast and we'll head in. And I was like, no, we need to go now. I don't care about a shower. Um, but he insisted on having a shower. So he had a shower and we got it. We finally headed into the hospital. We were yelling and fighting at each other all the way there. And I remember being so mad because I was, I needed to be there and I knew how bad I needed to be there. And I remember punching the ceiling of the car um, because I was so frustrated and I would never lay a hand on him because I wasn't going to go down to his level or be as bad as he had been. And I had blood all over my knuckles and I remember pulling up and not giving two shits what, where he parked, what he wanted to do. And so I told him to just let me out and I got out of the car and I remember going into the hospital and I finally found my family. And yeah, my, that was the day my grandpa passed away. Um, but I just remember being like, fuck you, you're taking this away from me too. Um, 
And so that was really, really hard. We, my ex and I had been trying to get pregnant um, because I believed I wanted a baby and I believed that kids would fix everything, right? Like he wouldn't dare do the things he was doing to me if we had a child, right? That he was setting an example for. And so my grandpa passed away the end of August and uh, we ended up getting pregnant uh, in November. And I truly believe my grandpa gave me my daughter. And so throughout pregnancy, all I heard was, well, that baby's not mine. You must have cheated on me because we didn't get pregnant for so long. And now all of a sudden we're pregnant and the accusations. And there was a time where we had gotten in a fight. Um, He wasn't as physically abusive while I was pregnant, um, but very, very emotionally and verbally abusive. Um, There was a time where we were out with friends and uh, I drove him home and it just turned into such a bad fight that I left and he locked me out of the house um, and then locked his truck and in the middle of winter and uh so and he, like so he disabled the power to the garage and I couldn't get in the garage he doubled to the back door I didn't have my keys he took the batteries out of the front door so I couldn't get in the front door and not wanting to cause a scene not want to be embarrassed um like to go to a neighbor's like I was too embarrassed to go to a neighbor's house or anything like that because I never wanted anyone to think badly of this person because Uh, I did. I loved him. And so I wanted to protect him and his reputation all the time. And he was going to be the father of my kids. So what did that say about me, right? If I was tolerating this kind of stuff and I was having a baby with him. And so I am, I ended up getting able or being able to get into his truck and I slept in his truck um, that whole night. Uh, well, I was about six months pregnant with our daughter. And uh, then again, the next morning, that's not going to be me anymore. That's not who I am. I promise I'll stop. I promise like I love you and your baby, my, our daughter. Everything would change. Everything would get better. And uh, then when our daughter was born, things started to, it slowed down. It wasn't as bad. Um, there was a lot of resentment towards the fact that I was home with our daughter all day every day and he had to work a couple jobs to support because I couldn't pay my 50% of our bills while I was on maternity leave and uh, so then the resentment started when I went back to work Um, and it was just like why can't you do this why can't you do that you're going out to the zoo spending our money but yet you can't pay for it because you're off on our mat leave and I was like I'm raising a daughter I'm raising our child and there wasn't that partnership there wasn't that um I don't know there was no support there and I remember our neighbors did hear a couple fights and she would text me and be like are you okay is the baby okay and I'm like yeah I'm okay the baby's okay I'm sorry and then like I would tell my ex like oh the neighbors heard us and then it would be like then it would be my fault again and um so it just it abuse is always a cycle no matter how long it stops for it can always come back unless that individual gets the help they need um I worked at a few different jobs at the time and I remember like it would impact my jobs because I 
we get in fights with him over the phone while I was working. Um, and that was super embarrassing and crying and again, try and hide it, but act like everything was fine, but also being like ripped apart inside. And um, then if I ever advanced in my career, it was because I was sleeping with the boss in his eyes and I never ever was. Um, and then my best friend that had helped me um, at the beginning or that I mentioned previously, she um, offered a position. She was going on maternity leave and she asked if I was interested in taking her position when she went on mat leave. And I didn't know if I was going to be comfortable for it, but I was like, yeah, I really want to. And my ex was very much against it because um, it would have it was a significant raise. It would have set me up a lot more financially to be stronger and independent my ex was very much against it and I um I took it and uh, I started in February and there was lots of great people there everything was great and then um in September of that year I so a couple before I started that job I had gone back to competing and gone back to dancing and teaching and I had was trying to do things for myself even though I was getting the fight and the abuse for it because how dare I try to take care of myself outside of parenthood and a spouse and do anything like that and so I went to um, a competition in Camor it's my all-time favorite competition of all time um, the Camor Highland Games and I had girls competing that morning that I was coaching and so I wanted to go early and my ex was very mad about wanting to be there all day and but I wanted him there to support me and to see me compete because competing as an adult is a big deal um, I was very proud of myself and I wanted him there to see it um, so he came we brought my daughter my dad came um, and so I was like oh my dad's here my husband's here like finally these men in my life are really loving me and um, my girls competed and the day went on and then it was getting close to when I had to compete in the afternoon and my ex blew up. He was irritated. He was mad. He didn't want to be there all day. So we took my daughter home and my dad said he could drive me home later that day. Um, but my ex continued to text me and verbally harass me all throughout the afternoon. And so when my dad drove me home, I asked him if he could stay for a little bit before um, he left so I could feel where my ex was and how what personality he was because it was very much Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde in the mornings when he was sober he was great by the end of the day after he had had some beers it was really bad um so the act came on as soon as we got home he was fine he was acting great he was calm and so I was like yeah dad I think it's okay you can go like my dad at this point knew that I was kind of feeling um, like there was some a lot of things that weren't right so my dad was like yeah okay I'll go because my parents trusted me and they trusted my judgment um, because I was so strong-willed and stubborn growing up that they couldn't tell me otherwise anyway um, and then that was the night that I made my decision um, we my ex and I got in another major fight because I was being selfish that day by taking wanting to do something for me and all I could think about when I was down because I was downstairs when we first started fighting and my daughter was upstairs sleeping I'm like here's Christmas Eve um and uh then my daughter started crying and I remember going upstairs and going into her room and she was crying she was about 
just under two at the time, or just turned two. And I remember going onto her bed and holding her as she was crying and my ex coming in and saying, great, now you're putting on a scene in front of her and you're trying to make, you're playing the victim in front of her. And um, she ran to the other side of her room and then he hit me in front of her. And that was it for me. Um, I talked myself out of the um, the yelling fights that she probably would have heard. I'm like, it's going to go away when she gets older. She's not going to remember it. She's only two. Um, but when he hit me in front of her, I was like, no. Um, I refused to let my daughter grow up thinking um, that this is okay, thinking that this is normal. And so that's what gave me the strength to finally leave was the example I was setting for my child. Um, so that was September 1st and I had it made up in my mind that I was going to leave. Uh, I hadn't told him yet because leaving a situation like that, I don't know the exact statistics, but if you look it up, um, when an individual is trying to leave a domestic violence situation, that is the most high risk time for significant things to happen and so I needed to create a plan for myself um, where I felt I could get my daughter and I out safely and that nothing would happen because if I wasn't around my daughter wouldn't have anything she'd have my family but my ex I'm sure would try and take her away um, from them and so it took a few weeks for me but um I remember going to stay with my mom for a couple of weekends and before I had made the decision. And then once I had my plan set up, I remember calling my ex and saying, we need to talk. And he was like, what do we need to talk about? And I remember telling him that like I was done, we needed a divorce. And um, so then I went to go and tell my grandma um, that I was going to leave my ex and because I had, and like, I had thought about leaving a million times before this, um, but never had the strength to actually go through with it. And so when I went and told my grandma that I was leaving, I remember we were sitting in her living room and she asked me straight out, was there any abuse? And I, I told her no, because I was too scared as to what she would do if I said yes because I needed to maintain control of the situation. And had I told anybody that there was abuse before I was out, I would have lost all control. And so I needed to feel that I had control of the situation. And so when, and little did I know how much that no would have, like how much it changed my life to this day. Um, so we started the divorce process and um, we cohabitated in that house um, for a long time um, because when you divorce, again, needed to maintain control. I didn't go down the divorce situation of filing for abuse at that time um, because I wanted to make it easy because I was scared because we had financial debt because my child and 
I needed to maintain control. And so I didn't go down um, the divorce for um, when there's abuse in the situation. So we had to be separated for a year before we could actually get the divorce. And we had that marital home that we had bought. And um, so I remember, and I don't even know how it was, like the abuse stopped as soon as I said I wanted a divorce. And so that was really, looking back on it, it's it's weird. Um, like there was still the fights and there was still the verbal, but the physical was gone. Um, I started staying in another room and just separating as much as I could and staying as far away as I could, but making sure my daughter was always safe. And finally it got to the point where I was like, okay, we need to start sharing the house week on week off and keeping our daughter in the house. And so when um, it was my weeks at the house and he wasn't staying there, I remember still though, being so scared at night, we had little locks on our windows. So, um, they couldn't be opened from the outside. And so I put all of those on. I remember deadbolting the back door. I remember pulling, turning off power to the garage door and pulling the batteries from the front door so he couldn't get in in the middle of the night and I could sleep soundly um, throughout those weeks. And it was just, it was horrific, um, but it wasn't nearly as horrific as the rest of my life would have been. Um, and like, honestly, looking back on it, had we gone through COVID um, still, I probably wouldn't be here having this conversation between the alcoholism and the amount of fights that we were already having. There's no way. And so I finally, like we started, we sold our house and it was just, I wanted to be the nice person. So I was still protecting his reputation. And um once I was safe, um, I, I had met someone in that divorce process who I actually had worked with. Um, and I remember the first time I hugged him, just feeling calm and safe. And the feeling I felt in his arms was unlike any other. And um, so navigating it, telling that into my family and them being like but it's so soon after you left your ex your ex-husband and I'm like but I was done so much longer like so much earlier than I actually pulled the pin on and a lot of them didn't understand how that worked um and there was so much um blame um put on me and I had to really learn to let my family process the divorce um how they needed to and that was so hard because those people were supposed to be in my corner they were my family my flesh and blood they should have had my back through anything no matter what and uh, it wasn't like that and that was super super difficult um my brother actually ended up living with my ex-husband for a period of time and that was horrific because I felt so betrayed and it didn't it only took my brother getting into a relationship that with another girl that had actually been through um, an abusive situation as well for him to understand it. Um, but my grandma, who I was very, very close with, um, held on to the fact that I had lied to her and um, just dug her heels in and that's where she stayed and that's what she wanted to maintain and believe. 
Um, my mom, when she and my dad divorced, um, my mom also got into a relationship with who is now my stepdad quite quickly afterwards. And um, everyone was like, oh, so now you're just turning into your mom. You're being exactly like your mom. You're leaving a tough situation for the dream. And uh, you're not doing the work. And just the it was very difficult. I have the most incredible therapist in the entire world, and I don't know where I'd be without her. Um, But learning not to blame yourself is so hard. Um, And learning to step back and understand that you can't control anyone but yourself and how you react to situations. Um, Like I remember people, and it still happens to be honest, um, people who I'd been friends with my whole life, liking his pictures on Facebook or something, or making comments about how he's a great dad. And I'm like, you have no idea. And you know what? He can be a great dad when he wants to be. However, being a great dad is also being great to that individual's other parent. And uh, so this is just my journey. And I skipped over so much. I'm sure there's a lot of holes there, but um, my grandma ended up choosing him. Um, my grandma still has him over for multiple family dinners. Um, and I'm like, how can you have someone in your house who has put his hands around my neck, who's spit in my face, who's called me any name in the book that you could ever imagine? Um, how can you welcome that a person into your home when they did these things to me? And, um, I asked my grandma to go to therapy with me. Um, to try and get her to understand where I was coming from. And she did. And she made promises to me in therapy. And two weeks later, he was back at her house um, because he used my daughter as currency to manipulate her. Um, He lived closer to her so he could bring my daughter over at any point in time. And so I remember my grandma saying, oh, well, he brings her, your daughter around lots more. And I was like, yeah, that's because he knows that's how to get you. And she was like, well, he also never did anything to me. And it was just, it's been very, very difficult to mourn a lot more relationships than I thought I was going to have to mourn. Um, And so just recently, um, I tried to go back to my grandma's house for a dinner, a family dinner. My dad was in town. And so I was like, yeah, it can be just like the good old days. Like going back to my grandma's house, like I'll be the bigger person. Maybe this is an olive branch. She invited us and, um, but I'll try, I'll try. It's been five years. Like I'll try. And she got drunk and my grandma got drunk and, uh, my ex wasn't there, thankfully. But um, it was very uncomfortable um, being around that much alcohol because um, that's a, it can be a trigger for me. I like to consume drinks, but as long as I feel like I'm safe, um, being around individuals that are drinking, um, if it gets to a point, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. Um, and that's kind of what it was like with my grandma because I had been so emotionally hurt from her. And then she called someone that was at the barbecue, um, my ex-husband's name, in front of my new husband. And I was like, and we're done. I tried. This isn't for me. And so it's learning those boundaries. And even when it comes to family members, um, it's so hard. But the person I am today 
is finally who I truly feel that I can be in my soul. Um, the gentleman that I met while I was going through my divorce is now my husband. And he is what I had no idea life could even be like. I am so thankful for him. He is everything. Um, he loves my daughter through and like like she's his own his family loves me his family um is so caring and so sweet and his niece and nephew call me auntie kira my ex-husband's niece and nephew never called me that um i like i feel like i have a family around me now um and it's not what i had imagined it looking like but it's my family and i love them all so much and my husband and i now He's never called me a name, not once, because that's not normal. Um, he's never raised his voice at me. Uh, he has so much respect and understanding for me and my journey and what I've been through. It's There is hope for people at the end. Um, it doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to go through an abusive relationship and live your life that's not normal and it was just the example that I was setting for my child that drove me to be able to make the smart decisions um otherwise no one else could have told me to leave until I believed it in my heart that this is the right decision and um yeah life is it's been a journey of healing over the last five years and finding myself, right? Because I was very young, fresh out of high school, and I met this man, and that was 12 years of my life. And I lost who I was. I wasn't allowed to live my true self. And now it's, I found my true self, but it's learning the confidence in my true self now that I'm really, really struggling with. Um, I've gone back to school and I'm going down a new career path and I second guess everything I do. Um, and so it's hard. I've been experiencing a lot of um, anxiety lately in terms of like, am I good enough for this? Am I, do I know what I'm doing in my new career path? And everybody's judgment. And I really need to learn to lean into myself and trust myself because the people that are around me now do believe in me. And so I need to make sure that I lean into myself and it's been really hard, but even though I'm free from that relationship, the effects are still there. Um, and maybe one day I'll be fully healed, but, uh, being able to share my story and, um, it's a lot more common than you think. A lot more people, since I've started being more open about talking about my situation, um, a lot more people are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that could be like that and that could be abusive. And um, I've listened to a podcast and I learned about antisocial personality disorder. And I remember thinking my ex always had bipolar because it was so Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but then looking up this anti, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not diagnosing him, but he fits every check mark. <laughs> and so I hope he um, gets the hope he, the help he'll ever need um, for his daughter's sake. Um, and uh, our court system is super broken. So go for what you need at the very beginning. Don't ever try and change it afterwards because it's impossible. Um, if there's ever children involved, 
but just make the decisions that's best for the examples that you're setting for your kids. That's all, that's all I could say for any woman out there going through challenges. You have little eyes watching you at all times and uh, they look up to their mamas. <laughs> I just, I wrote some notes because I didn't want to interrupt your story, but how you talked about how what I love the universe and Kay and I are big into the universe present you with things. And I just loved how you said it was my grandpa who gave me my daughter and it was your daughter that elicited you leaving. And when I hear that and piece that all together, your grandpa gave you the gift to leave. Like he gave that to you. And I just loved how, yeah, the universe, it's a powerful thing. It is very powerful. And we're in like a super moon today too, which I find ironic that we're having this podcast today <laughs> that we're recording. But I never put it together actually that I was just would say that my grandpa gave me her, but then I never put that next step together. So thank you for sharing that. That's You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I could be right out to lunch, but that just. That hits home. Um, wow. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing your story and you. And I met you a year ago in June and I can tell you who you are right now. You made leaps and bounds. So I know we're human and we like to doubt ourselves and we second guess, but girl, you're doing amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And when you hug me, I just feel so energetic. So keep going. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. A year. It's wild. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kira. That was, um, oof. That was, I think that, um, yeah, very relatable. And, uh, my parents also got a divorce when I was eight. So that's interesting. Um, and I think that, um, when we're not given a healthy example of a relationship, it's really hard to build anything off of that. And that's kind of where I was for a long time of my life is like, I've never had a good, healthy example of marriage until um, I became an adult and surrounded myself with people that have healthy marriages. Um, and it is, it is very hard because you do just take everything personally and, and it's just so heartbreaking how much someone can break you down. Um, I'm so grateful that you regained that strength and you went to therapy and you found an amazing therapist because it's, it's not easy building yourself back up. Um, my question, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, and I'll ask, I'll tell you eventually why I'm asking it is, did you ever end up, um, reporting your domestic um, no, I didn't, uh, end up reporting it. Um, because at the times of going through that, when the police were called and whatnot, I wasn't in a strong enough state to be able to make those reports. And I know that, um, there are statutes limitations and you can go back, um, and do reports and whatnot. Um, but at this point now I'm like, 
what's what would I get out of it if I did? I um, I did pull police records of the amount of times that the police were called to our, my old home, and my ex's name was redacted from those statements um, when I took him to court a little while ago, um, and uh, if I had the money, I would <laughs> I would go down that road um, with. Um, fighting in court um, for my child, but um, he's learning to be um, a good dad. Um, my daughter does love him. Um, and I just pray that she's safe while she's at his house. Um, I do want my daughter to have a good relationship with him as long as it is good and it is healthy. And I understand that him and I didn't have a healthy relationship, but maybe they can. Um, and so I just try to empower my daughter and try to give her the tools she needs to know. And I've never shared my story with her. Um, she's not old enough to have that understanding at this point in time. And I want her to, I don't want to jeopardize anything like that, right? That's not fair to her. She has to have her own journey, her own life. But I just need to give her the tools and empowerment to know what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. I totally respect that. The only reason I ask is because um, um, there is. I just want everyone to know this that there is a such thing as called uh, Claris Law. And so, do you know about this, Kara? Have you heard about it? I've heard of it, but I don't know the details very well. Yeah. So, um, I got myself into. I don't want to say I got myself into a predicament. It was not my fault, but there was there was a person. Um, that did make me cons- like worried about my safety. And so when I was talking to victim services, they said, you can apply for this Claire's Law. And so basically what happens is if you are in a relationship with anyone and you have suspicions about your safety or you feel unsafe in any time, you can go to the police or no, sorry, you can fill out this form online called Claire's Law and they can do a background check on this individual. Now, they will not tell you their entire um, uh, criminal history, but they will tell you things that could be, um, could deal with like you being um, not safe. So any domestic violence or threats or restraining orders or anything like that, they can pull that all up and a police officer can share it with you. Obviously, um, anonymously, like the person would never know. Um, so I just, I think that everyone should know about Claire's law because, um, because I think a lot of times we doubt ourselves, right? So I was in this relationship, same thing, like all sunshine and roses, like super awesome gestures, um, did everything for me. So nice, but just did a few little things about other women that I was like, I'm only hearing one side of the story and this feels kind of red flaggy. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, but you can't judge. And he's so nice and all of the things. And I've done a lot of work to trust myself. So then having that Claire's Law to fall back on and be like, this is actual factual things that he has done. Get yeah. the F out. Um, really helped me. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out um, for anyone that, you know, if you're unsure, obviously always trust yourself but it's easy to doubt ourselves too especially when we're just so caught up in the infatuation yeah and I think when you're in that moment for me anyways mine was high school but like 
you truly believe, like you said, they are going to change for me. Mm-hmm. Or you you want to believe that because in your mind, you're like, how could I be so dumb? That was me anyways. And I love how you said it doesn't happen big. It's small and it's long. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, my like it was a long haul to get mm-hmm. to the big. Mm-hmm. And all those little chips along the way take away from you and your sense of self and your trust in self so that when the big happens, you 100% doubt yourself. Yeah, very much so. I think it's very hard for someone, like you said, who's never been in that situation because how can you understand any situation if you've never been in it? You can't. Looking outside, you're like, well, duh, but it's not that easy. And, um, I just, I hope listeners listen to this and maybe something resonates with you or maybe nothing resonates, but it gives you a little bit of a picture of what goes on. Yeah. And you can't fix them. Yes. (laughs) Cannot. You're not a fixer. You're not a fixer. Not a fixer. You cannot fix them um, because it's the same with addictions, essentially, right? Like I say, I compare leaving an abusive relationship is comparable to getting out of the addictions because it's it's a cycle, and the person that's in the situation is not going to leave the situation until they want to leave. A person going through addiction is not going to get help until they truly want to get help deep down. Um, So it's very similar. You're not going to change them. You're not going to fix them. They're not going to change for you. (laughs) And I think too, like when you are surrounded by chaos, even if the chaos is unsafe, it is safe to you because that is all you know. Yeah. Right. And I I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing you and your story because I think it is an important one that again, we don't talk about because I mean, it's not something you bring up sitting around having a coffee with someone, right? No, absolutely. And yeah, it, sorry, Mel, it is important. And I know, like you said, it's not something you bring up sitting around having coffee, but it's such an, like you were going to say, it's such an important story to tell. But as a person that's experienced it, you also don't want to be shouting it from the rooftops in fear of judgment and in fear of everyone looking at you being like, oh, she's just trying to get attention. That's not what I'm trying to do. I. I don't need anybody else's attention. Um, I have those around me that love me. I'm sharing because hopefully it'll help just even one person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you're moving on. Yeah. That's another factor. Like that is a, again, when you talk about a timeline, I mean, a little bit of a bigger blip in your timeline for you, but when you pan out, mm-hmm. it's a blip in the timeline. And I mean, yeah, you're newly, fairly newly married. When I am. September. Yes, I was going to say your year is coming up. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it is. Yes. It is. Yeah. Kara, how did how did you find that transition? Like, um, was there ever any um, trust issues, or did you try to sabotage this healthy relationship or anything like that? Oh goodness, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> We can do part two. I already told you that. I already said we could do part two if needed. So I was thinking about that because people are like, well, how did you fall in love again so easily? Um, 
And it's not easy. And I do love Trevor, um, my new husband, very, very, very much so. And I don't think I've ever tried to self-sabotage, but I'm also living, I'm living my 20s and my 30s now though too. And man, hangovers are much harder to get over in your 30s than in your 20s. Um, but he's still standing by me and supporting me. And so that was another thing we've worked on through therapy is, you know, I talk about things like, um, is he going to resent me one day? Because that was a big thing in my last one, like, oh, resentment for anything I did and or any trouble he ever got in was always my fault. So I was always resentment. And um, so I'm learning to trust that he's I know that he loves me and I know my ex loved me at some point too. Um, But it's to trust that it's not going to fall apart, that I'm still working through. Um, So, yeah. And I, I, I don't think I'm self-sabotaging. There's times where I do a lot of things for myself and then I feel really, really guilty about it. Um, And I ask him daily, like, do you still love me? You promise you still love me? And he's like, it's super annoying that you're asking that, but the answer will always be yes. (laughs) Like I just, I bought a horse and he was very against me buying a horse, but he knows how much I wanted it and how much my daughter wanted it and how it's for me. And he was never going to stop me (laughs) and he still loves me. So, um, and I've reminded him that I do have a very strong personality and uh, I need him to voice his concerns if there are ever concerns. And he's just so chill. Maybe I just got lucky and I got someone that's super chill and lets me be me. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'm self-sabotaging, but yeah, the trust is still there in terms, and it's different, right? Like I just, I trust him with my life, but I'm scared that he's going to resent me one day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's fair. I think it, I think it's just always going to be layers, layers, process, but you've had, you found someone that you feel safe with. And I think that that's the biggest thing, right? Like you still have so much healing as we all do. Mm -hmm. Um, but you found someone you can do it with and that's pretty refreshing. That's exciting. Um, One last question for me is, um, yeah, advice, guidance, what would you give to someone um, before entering a relationship or if they are in um, an abusive relationship of any kind? Uh, Your core values are so important. Get back to your core values and what is important to you. And don't deviate from that. Those are there for a reason. Um, going into a relationship, don't lose who you are. No, no relationship will ever, should ever cost you who you are. Yes, you make compromises. Yes, you evolve and you grow. But it should always be for the better. You shouldn't have to hide things from the ones you love. Um, that's not normal. Um you can be friends with whoever the heck you want to be friends with (laughs) little things like that. Uh, Trust, respect, communication. You need to have those things. Uh, That those are important respect and communication. Honestly, like if you can't have that at the very beginning, that's a big red flag, 
right? Like if you're just dating and there's not communication issues and not self-awareness, that's a big red flag. For those that are in relationships that aren't healthy right now, there are so many resources out there to help you. Um, There are so many resources. I'm just learning of a lot of them, but there's Airdrie Power in Airdrie, there's um, YW Calgary, and so many more. I'm sure I've missed a many, many, but those are just two of the ones that I've recently um, experienced this year in terms of um, attending events for and volunteering um, with. But you know what? Your friends and your family love you. And like, if you have good people in your corner, heck, I can be anybody's person. If you need a place to stay, no judgment, right? And I will never judge anybody ever in a situation like this, um, or even in this, nobody deserves to judge anybody for that matter, um, because you're not walking in their shoes. You're not living their life. And so learning to let go of judgment um, towards other people and other people's judgment towards yourself is so empowering. Um, Yeah. Like, reach out to me if you need a safe space, because I'll be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one quick thing about what you just said there is, um, yeah, judgment is huge. Uh, when I got into my situation, I was, I, when I was talking to victim services, I was like, I empower women for a living. Like, how could I be so stupid? And there's so much judgment to myself. And she sat me down and she said, this can happen to anyone you got out. Yeah. And that is what's important. And that was a huge pivotal moment in my life. So same, same, I'll be your, well, I can't, I can't have people here in New Zealand, but if you do, if you want to get on a plane and come to New Zealand, you betcha, I will, I'll find a spot for you. (laughs) I've got so many beds in this house. So you are more than welcome to occupy one of mine Mm -hmm. pending. You don't mind three loud kids. But I've had to mute occasionally because they've been fighting. But <laughs> um, and I think another thing is, is like if you have a loved one and you know that they're going through an abusive relationship, I love that you talked about that, Kira, is like it has to be on their own time. And, um, you know, I totally understand why you did not tell anyone. And it's so crazy how much we responsibility we take on for someone else, because it's not only their reputation, you chose them as a partner not fully knowing any of this, but it's still like a reflection of you, which it shouldn't be, but that's what our brains tell us. And so I'm just, oh, thank you for sharing everything. Mm -hmm. No, I am. Yeah. To piggyback, just like how it has to be that person. You can be looking on again from the outside and be like, what the flying heck is going on here? Like get out. But that person in it, like you said, you are trying to uphold their reputation, which now is weighing on you because you're upholding a reputation that really doesn't exist, but I'm the one creating, right? You have made all these lies and you have done all these things. And maybe you've hurt someone along the way because of this relationship. That's a lot that you also have to process as an individual as you exit this relationship, which is another friggin' semi-truck to deal with. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For saying it's no one can do it, but that person. Yeah. And you're going to get faced with a lot of people not believing you, people that you love not believing you. And you know what? They, 
I can't speak for them, but what I've done to justify that in my mind is they aren't going to believe, they aren't going to tell you they believe your story because they feel guilty that they didn't see it themselves and that they didn't help you at that time. And that's their coping mechanism with it Um, because your family members are going to grieve that process. Um, Like I remember my mom and my mom loves me dearly and I love my mom. I remember when I was leaving, um, she was like, well, what did you do? You're a lot to handle. I know what you're like. Right. And like, yeah, I am spicy. Yeah. I'm a lot, but it doesn't matter that I'm spicy. It doesn't matter that I'm a lot. I still deserve respect. And so, and your partner should respect you no matter what. So like, do, was that hurtful when my mom said those things? Absolutely. Was it hurtful when my brother moved in with my ex? Yes, absolutely. My grandma choosing my ex and all that. Yeah. And like, even to this day, when I have family members, like, like his Facebook or comment on things to do with where he's portraying himself as a fantastic person. Yeah, it sucks, but I can't control that right? Like, and it makes me feel sorry that those that I have individuals in my life that I've lost that have chosen to be on his side, because that's what happens is sides. There's hardly any people in the middle. Um, That they don't get to be a part of my life now, because my life now is pretty freaking awesome. And it sucks that they don't get to be a part of that. But that's their loss. And I remember thinking like, well, my grandma being like, well, I'm not going to choose sides. I'm not going to choose sides. Not choosing sides does choose sides, right? Rewarding that person with the relationship still. Um, so like my grandma still having a relationship with my ex rewards him because he knows that that hurts me. And so not choosing sides chooses sides because it hurts me that you're still interacting with that individual and it rewards that individual because they know it hurts me, right? But again, letting go that they can, you can't control them. You can explain your side. Even if you, you shouldn't have to explain your side and you shouldn't have to justify your actions because you, you finally did what was right for you, but it's freaking hard. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But you're living your life for you and no one else. Exactly. You are the one will be, that will be at the end of your story. A hundred percent without a doubt, it will be you in that final chapter. Everyone else is an accessory player which you hope many will come to your final chapter with you. But the one for sure person being there is you. Absolutely. Right. And you know what? Yeah. I had a really crappy 12 years of my life, but I have a really freaking good life now. And there's more than 12 years left and I'm setting a damn good example for my kid, um, for strong women and like empowering other women is just, that fills my soul, right? And that fills my heart because we're up against so much in this world. Not that men aren't, but women historically have been up against a little bit more in different judgments and roles that we're supposed to play and whatnot. So yeah, I'm pretty freaking proud of where I'm at today. And I am proud of you. Not that you need me to be proud of you, but I am proud um yes Kira thank you I feel like we might have part two one day yeah one day there's lots more (laughs) there's lots more um yeah I I have no more questions just a lot of thanks and gratitude 
thank you both for having me today. Like allowing me to share my story on this platform is I'm so grateful for it. So thank you. And I apologize if I rambled or I went in some different directions. Never thank apologize. You. That's also what I put on my thing. <laughs> no apologies. <laughs> right. Britain there. No apologies. Working on that. Yeah. All right. Wanna- Honestly, Kara, thank you so much. And I remember the first time I met you and it was just like, you are such a genuine soul and you're such a light in this world. And um, meeting you, I had no idea that um, you have overcome all of these things. So thank you for shining regardless of all of the shitty things that have happened. Um, It's just, yeah. You are a breath of fresh air and I really appreciate it. And I think my biggest takeaway from everything that you said today was like um, the importance of regaining your strength and, and trusting yourself and knowing when the time is right to leave. I think that that was a, that's, that's a, my biggest takeaway. And I think that's such a beautiful message. So thank you for sharing your, your story, Kira. I can't wait for part two. And <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. well thanks for stripping with us stay weird